Hey there, Super Sober Heroes. It's your host, Sober Steve, the podcast guy. And before we jump into today's episode, I want to take a brief moment to ask for your help to shape the future of gay A. Over the years, this podcast has grown and evolved as I've grown in my sobriety. And recently, I've been investing wild amounts of time, money, and energy to find ways to level up this podcast so it can get heard by the people who need to hear it. I want to take a brief moment to check in with all of you, though, to see what you love about the current show and what could be better as I'm growing and moving forward. In the show notes is a three to five minute survey for you to complete. I kindly ask that you pause this episode and take the time to complete it if you haven't already. You are kind enough to give me 20 to 40 minutes of your time each week when you listen to these episodes, and I want to make sure it's time well spent. So please let your voice be heard. Thanks, SoberPod, and enjoy the show. everyone and welcome to Gay A, a podcast about sobriety for the LGBT plus community and our allies. I'm your host, Steve Bennett-Martin. I am an alcoholic and I'm grateful for my sponsor walking me through my fifth step. As of this recording, I am 276 days sober and today we're welcoming a guest to share their experience, wisdom, and hope with you. Welcome to the show, Danny. Hi. My, oh, sorry. No problem. Why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners? Hi, my name is Danny. I use she, they pronouns. I have been sober, according to my app, for 651 days, and I'm super stoked to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure, and congratulations on that sobriety length. That's, with math, it's hard. Is it over two years or just about two years? It's almost two years. years. I think it was, yeah, like just over 21 months. That is fantastic. Congratulations. Well, why don't we, to get to know you better, tell us a little bit about what your journey with alcohol and addiction was like. Yeah. So I was never like a daily drinker. I was, I mean, for me, I guess, spoiler alert, like I'm like leading with the headline. I was always a binge drinker and that really actually didn't show up until I went to college. So I guess like going back to the beginning where it all kind of probably came out of, I identify as a queer femme Mexican child of an immigrant. And so there's a lot of cultural things that that entails. I'm also like a child of divorce. And basically what I learned at like a fairly young age is that if I am like perfect or like good quote unquote, I'll never get in trouble or I'll never like, I'll just fly under the radar and be invisible because I experienced like a lot of like adverse childhood experiences. And so like my coping mechanism was perfection. Just, just be perfect all the time, which is totally attainable. And obviously probably, you know, just anyway. So as I grew up, I just sort of maintained that I didn't really drink because that would skew the the perfection. And as I got into college, it was my first time away from home. It was like wildly cliche in that I, you know, I had my first drink and I didn't really love it, but like I loved the feel, if that makes sense. And so I would, I just started binge drinking and so not so great stuff came out of that. And that only exacerbated the drinking and I wasn't out yet. I didn't actually come out until I was 25, but alcohol kind of like laid the groundwork for me to feel comfortable to maybe explore my sexuality in a way that like, I guess I just wasn't 
comfortable or ready to do on my own sober. Alcohol and that, um, and that experience that I had, and I guess like a trigger warning is just like I experienced sexual assault. And so that basically with my drinking exacerbating and just, it was really not so great. I flunked out of college and that was like the final, like, you know, blow to that, like belief of perfection. And so I was like, without a coping mechanism. And so I just like held on tighter to alcohol and that wasn't so great. But when I was looking around, everyone was kind of drinking the way I was. And so it was easy for me to give myself an out like, Oh, everybody else is drinking this way. Clearly I don't have a problem. Like, because nobody else thinks they have a problem. So Shortly after I uh, moved back home, I did, I came out and it was an incredible, like it, it felt like home in a way. And that, that was fantastic. And I really leaned into it. I was like, yeah, I'm out 25. Like what, what am I going to do? And so I started working in the queer nonprofit sector and that really, I think it is where the drinking, I started to recognize that I was drinking a lot, but again, I was surrounded by folks who were drinking as much as I was, if not more. And so it was just so easy for me to, to push it off and push it off. And so part of my job entailed being in like queer bars nightly. Like I was, I was there like every single night and I, I, it never occurred to me that I didn't need to drink every night to be in the bar. And so I was just at that point drinking every day. <laughs> it was, when I look back at that time, it seems wild because my life is so, so different. It's like bananas to think about it. But anyway, I continued to do that. I eventually took a little break and I was like, you're drinking a lot, Danny. And so I slowed down on the frequency, but really like accelerated in the like amount that I was drinking. And so continuing to work in the queer community, I started to, I got a different job that allowed me to like get out of the bar scene, but still like my whole community, my whole circle, like everybody, all of our socialization revolved around drinking. And eventually the pandemic, I guess like pandemic happened or is happening. And someone that I cared for was like, I, I'm going to begin my recovery journey. And I was like, oh, okay. Like me too. Like, and it was never really like discussed beyond that. It was just assumed that I was doing it to support them because again, my drinking according to the world was fine. It was not problematic <laughs> at all because, because of what everybody else was doing, which is such a lame way to like evaluate the problem. But anyway, so throughout the pandemic, there was, there was, you know, I, I was, we weren't seeing anybody. I wasn't going out. I wasn't having to navigate telling people that I wasn't drinking. So like the the few people that I talked to throughout everything was like, oh yeah, like 
that's so great that you're supportive. Yeah, you don't have a problem. Like, that's so great. And in my head, I'm like, <laughs> like, yeah, I, we don't, we just don't, we just don't talk about it. I don't, I don't know how to say it beyond that. It was just something that I think to, to recognize that I had a problem with drinking. I think a lot of folks would have to reckon or grapple with their own, with their own drinking. And that's not, that's not my thing to, to carry. That's not what I hope to elicit in, in other folks. It's, this is my journey. And so I think it was just like easier for everybody, myself included to just be like, oh yeah, here I am. Kind of coming to now, I experienced like a lot of something that I hear a lot about when folks talk about like their first 90 days. I didn't have like the experience that a lot of folks talk about with the first 90 days being like very, very difficult. Like it, it was tough, but like it wasn't, it wasn't what folks described. So I was like, okay, cool. Like, like how, how great that I didn't have to, to navigate that. And then this past summer, I experienced the worst 90 days ever. And it was like in the middle of my like sobriety, I, it was just the hardest stuff I've ever had to deal with. And like my world was falling apart. And I was like, I, I want to drink. And the person who I, I was like supporting by not drinking was no longer in my life. And I realized that I also had no sobriety community whatsoever. And I was like, like, I guess I could start. I guess, you know, I was starting to like negotiate with myself, like, oh, you didn't tell anybody, like nobody would be like worried about you if you started drinking again. And that like scared me. It just like really scared me. And so I was like, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta tell some folks, you gotta tell people that you're not drinking and you're not drinking and you haven't been non-drinking because it's the best decision for you. And so that's what I did. I went to the internet and I told Instagram. And so I instantly told everybody in my life. And that was incredible. I started a separate Instagram and it has led me to meet like cool people like you, like a whole new sober community. It's allowed me to connect more richly with the people in my life. And I yeah. So I guess that's like where I am, like my start to finish. That's where I'm at. <laughs> where you're at so far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I can certainly relate to a, a lot of what you, you went through. I know that, you know, my drinking probably got like the worst time, that, like, or when it kind of really s- snowballed into something that I had to address was when I was surrounded by people who were drinking like me or like supporting my drinking. And so like that whole like inner perfectionist of like, I have to be careful of how everyone's perceiving me once I'm surrounded by people that are all like drink, drink, drink. Like that's when I kind of went like off the the deep end, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But finding sober community is just so important. I'm so glad that I found you and that you found the, the, the sober Instagram community. I have so many of my guests come on from there, but it's just because there's not a lot of like LGBT plus and sober, you know, communities locally, like throughout, like, unless you live in a big city, like New York city or something like that. And like, even then there's like little ones scattered throughout from what I've seen, like it's reconnect online, which has just been beautiful. 
Yeah, exactly. Because it's just so much of queer culture is like rooted in in the bar scene. And like rightly so, like that's where it was safe to be out and queer. And like, especially for black and brown trans folks, like it, it all tracks. It's just like now how how do we connect outside of the bar scene? How do we connect without alcohol? And like, it's unique to the queer community, but not necessarily like unique for like the community, like the global community. Yeah. And I mean, how do you feel like, I know we talked about like, you know, our community centers around places with a lot of alcohol generally, but in it, like, besides that, how do you feel your sexuality or your gender, gender identity played a role in your addiction and your recovery? I think that, so how my like sexuality played a role was that it was when I came out and then when I was also working at an LGBTQ nonprofit and even now, cause that's like my job too. Now it was expected. It was expected that I would be out. It would, it was expected that I one, I guess be out, out, like out of the closet, but also like out in the community and where the community was were in the bars. And so when I would like get messy or anything like that, it was expected or just like laughed off. Whereas I think that in other time, like maybe if I wasn't out or if I was, well, I think if I felt like I wasn't out, it might've been looked at a little bit differently where, where like, oh, you know, you've kind of been drinking a lot like recently. And, but now it's just like, oh, that's what, like, of course, like she's this old and like, she's out and single or whatever. And like, it's okay. It's okay. For whatever reason. I I don't know, but I, I do think that played a role in it. And I think I, as I was identifying more so like kind of seeing that, how I was drinking was not how other people were drinking who that every time I wanted to drink, I wanted to drink and I wanted to get like, just completely, I, I wanted to get drunk and other folks don't drink like that or like, don't have that goal. And so it, it was really starting to, to weigh on me. And I was recognizing that like I was doing all these things, but I was, you know, I was hurting myself or I was hurting other people or I like was missing some really great things that were happening like right in front of me because I thought I was having fun, but I was really just like blacked out. And I, I, I mean, like I missed most of Robin. I, I saw Robin live and I can't even tell you like what happened half the time. And that's like a really big regret. It's silly, but like Robin's great live. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, I've had experiences like that where like, I look back and I'm like, I don't remember that night. And mm-hmm. like, because my husband and I also do like a, a pop culture and movie podcast. And he's like, when's the last time you saw The Craft? I'm like, I think we watched it last year. He goes, that doesn't count. Now, what would you say some of the positive changes have been in your life now that you're living sober? I think that I already knew that like my friends and like the like queer friendship family, like my chosen family were incredible. But like the second that I said out loud, like that I'm sober and I'm like not planning, like I I'm not for somebody else. Like I'm sober for myself. The second I said that, like, I was just like 
inundated with these like just like wave of support from like people who were like, you know, I struggle with this too, like, or, or friends who are like, you know, I'll always make sure I have like sparkling water for you. People who check in on me. It's really shown me um, that beautiful side of the queer community, like people who I um, wouldn't expect to have reached out to me, like did. And I think that it has made the relationships in my life richer and deeper. And I'm, I'm so, so grateful for them. And, and I think that sometimes I experience like FOMO where I have to, you know, where I won't get invited to stuff where I'm like, Oh, like, I, you know, I want to, I want to go here. Um, and then I kind of think about it and often it's like folks just very sweetly thinking of me and like not wanting me to be uncomfortable in an uncomfortable situation around alcohol. And like, I find that very lovely if I think about it that way, that like how, how lovely that like people care so, so deeply that they would like try to, you know, navigate that. So I, I think that I have found myself more. I've like put myself first and prioritize that. Like I'm not out at the bar. So now I can afford, you know, you know, I'm able to like pay for therapy. (laughs) I I have these other, like these resources available to me that I, you know, I wasn't prioritizing and I was, you know, stuff that about like my own healing and my own recovery, which is larger than like, just say like being sober is like, you know, prioritizing that. And I'm, I'm really grateful for, I'm really grateful that sobriety has given me the opportunity to like explore that. Yeah. And I know that therapy is huge, especially like for us in recovery. What are some other things that you do in your daily life to help keep yourself sober? I have an incredible, um, dog. Her name is Honeybun, and she is precious. When I was having those, you know, those brutal 90 days that I was telling you about earlier, it was Honeybun. And her sweet little face who, you know, got me out of bed and like to take her for walks. You know, if I was considering, you know, stopping by the liquor store or something like that, I was thinking of her sitting at home, you know, just waiting for me. And so I, you know, she is a huge source of strength for me, like hiking, my friends, cooking, like working out and writing. Writing is a uh, really tool that I utilize to stay sober. I was always, through my perfectionism, it also like allowed me to be like, oh, I'll start that later. I'll start that later because it needs to be perfect before I can like start. And, you know, now I'm just kind of like not, not afraid to like just start something. And so writing and putting my thoughts out into the world, those are, those are things that really, really help me stay sober. Excellent. And you mentioned how many people have reached out to you since, you know, you're recovering out loud. What's some advice that you like to give people who are sober curious or newly sober? Um, so this, I think applies to like so many things in life, but it's like, don't be afraid to let folks see you try right? So like, if you're sober curious, like don't, you know, like, and you want to try, you know, just try. It's okay. If like you slip up, it's, you know, like, it's okay. If you relapse, like you just 
keep trying. And like, I look at that in so many other facets is that I was always so concerned with being silly, like being perceived or looking silly or not like an expert or something like that. And really now I'm just like how much more fun my life is and how much, you know, I I get to experience when I'm not afraid of letting folks see me try. Yeah. Excellent. And I know that, you know, no matter how we get or stay sober, us people in recovery generally love our steps, traditions, and sayings. Do you have a favorite mantra or quote that you try and live by? Oh, it's definitely that one. It's so like, don't, don't be scared to let folks see you try. Like just yeah. do, just do it. Just, you know, you, you want to, you want to start your podcast. You want to like write a blog. You want to do like whatever, like, don't be afraid to let folks see you try. Like yeah. just do it. Beautiful. And I certainly agree, you know, just put, putting myself out there and like the, the chances yeah. that I've gotten to help other people get themselves out there. You know, I still get amazed every week when I get like X number of people downloaded your podcast and I'm like, wow, how? <laughs> but it's so you know, rad. It's helping people. Yeah. So since you recover out loud, tell us where we can find you so we can get more Danny. Yeah. Yeah. So I am on Instagram as at alcohol-free adventures. And I also have a blog that's linked there as well. And I'm on TikTok by the same name. So yeah, that's, you know, I, I like to really, my whole thing is exploring adventure one day at a time because there's so much out in the world that while I might have experienced it, right. Like music festivals and, you know, travel, I have not necessarily experienced it sober. And I think the the world, you know, it's, I think there's like a hashtag, like sober, not boring. And I, I think of that all the time when I'm out and I'm like, this is so much fun. And yeah, so that, that's basically what I explore on, on my, on my blog and on my Instagram. I'm by no means an expert. I just like to share that, like, you know, there's folks out there that are living life out loud and recovering out loud and just like having celebrating the huge and mundane things that happen in life and experiencing them sober. Perfect. Well, I will make sure to include those in the show notes so people can find you. Thank you so much for being on Danny. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, it was great talking to you. Yes. And thank you listeners for listening to another episode of Gay A. Please rate and review if you found this information helpful as it finds other people find us. Uh, If you're interested in sharing your story or just saying hi, I'm always an email away at gayapodcast at gmail.com. And be sure to follow us wherever you're listening so you get these new episodes whenever they come out every Monday and Thursday. And until next time, stay sober, friends.